So um, I'm staying in the, in the series we're in. I'm staying on this topic instead of deviating. And, and there was, I gave thought and prayer towards, Lord, should I, should I change the method? Should we deviate from this series? Right now we're on a series on, on discipleship. And last week we talked about selection, and this week we're talking about relationship. And as I was praying, the Lord's like, no, no. Discipleship is needed, and the aspect of relationship in discipleship is vital. So that's that's what I'm going to preach on. I don't believe it'll be, I don't believe it'll be a long message. But I've said that before, and I've been wrong. So so just don't hold me to that. <laughs> let's uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Matthew 28. Um, that'll be our first verse. So let's let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we get to. Lord, jump into your word. Lord, we thank you that your word does not return void, Lord God. Lord, as we go through this series, Lord, we look to you, Lord Jesus, to see how you did this. We don't want to follow a program. We don't want to follow an agenda or a book. Lord, we want to follow you, Lord Jesus, and see how you discipled, how you made disciples, and we want to follow you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that awesome thing you do where you take a word spoken to a crowd but you personalize it wherever that each one of them feel like you are talking to us specifically, because you are. So Lord, we yield to you. We yield our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus talking in this passage of Scripture that we're reading right now. Do you guys know what this is known as? The great what? The great commission. Jesus is commissioning. And he's commissioning disciples, but he's commissioning all of us as well. So let's personalize this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. You notice that Jesus doesn't say, I will be with you always. It's not a promise of things to come. What he's saying is, I'll be with you always. He can say that because he was with them at that time. He was with them before. We look in Jesus' method of discipleship, and Jesus was with his disciples. Hey, I'm with you always. I'm not going to stop doing what I've been doing. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Friends, in, in discipleship, the aspect of relationship and being present and being with one another is vital. See, Jesus didn't set out, and, and, and he didn't follow the model that that the Pharisees and the religious leaders had because they had strict requirements, they had strict rituals, there, there was requirements of knowledge and learning in book and study and that was the religious norm in the Jewish culture and that is not how Jesus did it. You know what Jesus' program was? Follow me and remain in me. Follow me. When he called them it was as simple as that. 
I don't know how fast the stride was. I'm going to take this stride right here. And he'd say, follow me. And there was no indication that he paused to give them opportunity to ponder. They just got up and followed. They responded and they remained. The aspect of relationship in discipleship is vital. When I'm talking about discipleship, guys, we need to own this. We all need to own this. You need to own this. I need to own this. Because the disciple making is all of, it, it's a call, it's a mandate, it's a commission for all of us. Real easy. Real easy. I, I talked about two things that are required in making disciples. Number one, be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Number one, there is no making disciples without number one. You cannot make disciples without being a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Because the people that you're discipling, they're going to be with you just like the disciples were with Jesus. They're going to be watching you just as the disciples were watching Jesus. They're going to be listening to what you do and what you say and how you do it just like the disciples did so with Jesus. Be a passionate follower of Jesus. And then number two, pour into other passionate followers of Jesus who want to be discipled. This isn't evangelism. Okay? This isn't casting some huge wide net in hopes that, that some get saved. This isn't evangelism. This is discipleship and it's specific. And what Jesus, what we see him demonstrate was he had a small group of men that he gathered unto himself. And he remained with them and they remained with him. And he discipled them. And that was his plan. That was his plan. That was his plan to reach the lost. That was his plan to build a spiritual kingdom that would never die, that would last forever. That was his plan. Being with them. You guys, isn't that amazing? His response was to draw them unto himself. So I'm thrilled at this theme of discipleship that we're talking about. But friends, Let's not overcomplicate this. We, we, we cling to Jesus, and then we draw others into our, unto ourselves. What sets us apart? What should be setting us apart? Are we followers of Jesus? Are we followers of Jesus? When he takes a hard left, do we take a hard left? Because where else would we go? When he hits the rocky terrain, do we hit the rocky terrain? Because where else would we go? When he stops and remains, do we stop and stay? Because what else would we do? Are we distinguished by what we teach? Friends, you know what we teach at this church? Jesus. I don't care what the topic is. I don't care what the passage is. I don't care if it's Old Testament or New Testament. I don't care if I'm talking about the Father. I'm talking about Jesus. I don't care if I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Jesus. So what is it we teach? Jesus. There's no other name in which someone can be saved. But Jesus. Well, isn't that a bit redundant? Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, maybe it is. what we don't do. Sometimes that distinguishes us. What we don't do. 
Because as a believer, there's things we got to do and there's things that we don't do. And we don't do those things out of uh, adherence to a law. We do those things out of affection for a loving Lord and Savior. What we do and what we don't do. I will say this, what we don't do. We don't do life alone. Golly gee, we just don't do life alone. The Bible says that that we, that he sets the orphans in family. He sets the orphans in family. We don't do life alone, and if we can be so audacious, we don't let others do life alone. We lock arms with them, and we say, do life with me, and I'm going to show you how I do life in Christ. We do it with one another. And I know that's hard because we're, we're prickly and you might, you know, get a goat head in your arm because we're prickly. Or sometimes we're stubborn and you might have to pull us really hard and, and sometimes all the different things because, you know, we're challenging. But think about also how wonderful it is doing life together. This right now, it's a hard time. It's a hard time for me. It's a hard time for us. You guys, we get to do this together. We get to do this together. I know you might think that you chose Christ. But what he says is, I chose you. I chose you. You might think you chose this church. But that's not what we see in Scripture. We see that God calls us to family. So you might think you chose it based on whatever. Based on, you know, that you're one of the, a neighborhood church. You live in an area and you want a church in your community. Or, man, you, you know, you've got some friends who go here and you wanted to come there. Or, you know, um, because the pastor has awesome hair. I don't know. But friends, we, you didn't choose this church. God called you to this church. God called you to family. He called us to family. So in discipleship, guys, our first step, after, I guess our second step, after following Jesus passionately, we, we draw others unto us. So what does that mean? The ways that you demonstrate Christ, invite someone others someone with you so that they can see how you demonstrate Christ. Hey, I'm I want to go to this nursing home. I'm just bringing a, a plate of cookies. Why don't you come with me? It, 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 we're only going to be there a short while. But uh, it'd be great if you came with me. Hey, I'm, I'm going to the hospital to pray for somebody. Come with me. Come with me. Let's do it together. Hey, um, I'm just hanging out. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of studying Hebrews 12. And it's really coming alive to me. You want to you sit down with me? You know, it's, and the word's just coming alive. Let's, let's study together. Hey, you know, our, our men's Bible study, you know, we're, we're covering verse by verse the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus is talking about things that make us blessed. Why don't you come to that? We're, we're just patiently just seeking the Lord and, and what he says in Scripture. Why don't you come with me? We're supposed to do it together. We're supposed to do it together. And we also have the freedom 
as, as family to invite ourselves. Hey, I, I'd love to hang out. When can we hang out? What are you doing this week? I'm going to study and work and I'm going to watch the ball game and I'm going to whatever. Okay, well, what are you studying? Hebrews 12, I said it earlier. Aren't you listening? Why, why don't you listen? Okay, you want to join me for that? Absolutely. Friends, if we're only wanting to join each other for the football game, we're, we're, we're dropping the ball. Okay, if we only want to join each other, you know, for Monday Night Football, we're dropping the ball. If we don't want to get together also when we're doing things of the Lord and we're enriching other people's lives and we're pointing other people to Jesus, peoples, that's right, peoples to Jesus. Peoples need Jesus. Um, then we're missing it, guys. With Jesus, you know how knowledge was gained? With Jesus and, and his disciples, do you know how knowledge was gained? Spending time together, relationship, association, that's how knowledge was gained. There wasn't a curriculum. There wasn't a study. He spent time with him. Do you realize that Jesus spent more time with the disciples than the rest of the world combined? And it wasn't even close. He went fishing with them. He went hiking with them. He went to the mountains. He went to the sea. He went to other areas. Jesus was very strategic. The places Jesus went, he's like, hey, let's go over here. Well, Lord, why don't we stay here? Well, because if, if, if I start preaching here, then they're going to want to kind of rush some things. And so let's go over here to these people. I'll explain it on the way. Let's go. we got a long walk. I'll explain it. Association. How do, how do we how do we gain knowledge today? A program, you know, a book, whatever. And so, and, and we're not against books. I read books. Books are good. Book learning's good. Programs are good. But when it comes to discipleship, we're looking at what Jesus did and we're emulating it. John one thirty eight and thirty nine says this: Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, "What are you seeking?" And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, what? Come. Come, and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. They stayed with him. They were with him, hanging out, listening, talking. You guys, I, I, there's only a there's only a small number of people in this room that, on a weekly basis, declare their beliefs in a sermon. That's not how we declare our beliefs. Now that's how I get to declare my beliefs. You know, that's one of the ways I get to. I get to stand up here every week and declare my beliefs in a sermon. But is that how you declare your beliefs? So how do you declare your beliefs? Your life, your actions, your words, your prayers, your encouragement. Man, everyone around us needs prayer. If you think about it, think about it at work. Think about it at our, at our kids' schools or in our neighborhoods. Everyone, think about your church. Everyone around us needs prayer. How do we demonstrate our faith? Hey, let me let me pray for you because God just wants to touch you right now. But it's going to be hard. 
prayed for him. And he prayed for him. We demonstrate. We demonstrate our faith. We demonstrate our belief. One living sermon is worth a hundred explanations. Why did Jesus appoint the disciples? Why did Jesus appoint the apostles? What, what work, what task, what responsibility did Jesus appoint them for? The answer is awesome. The first answer, the primary answer that we're given. Mark 3, 14 shows us this answer. And it is awesome. Why did Jesus appoint the disciples and the apostles? Let's read it. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might, what? Be with him. Be with him. And he might send them out to preach. Friends, there ain't no preach before we've been with him. Our primary call is to be with him, not to do something for him. Every week before I prepare a message, I am with him. I'll tell my family. You could ask my kids, hey, you know, my kids might be like, where's dad? Oh, he's with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Jesus time. Spending time with Jesus. Even before I work on a message, I got to be with Jesus. Before I preach, I'm with Jesus. Friends, you know, I, I like to preach saying the word we, but man, I want to preach saying you. You got to be with Jesus. We, we have different functions. We have different responsibilities, and they're all important. You want to hear one of the most heartbreaking stats I've heard in a long time? 95% of all Christians will never personally lead someone to Jesus in the course of their life. 95% according to Barna. Barna studies. Now they might bring someone to church and that person gets saved. But I'm talking about personally leading them to Jesus. Can we, can we, can we make that, that number irrelevant in this church? Can we change that percentage in this church? And it starts with being in, with Jesus. Because when we're with Jesus, everyone gets the overflow of that time with Jesus. Husbands, fathers, your wives and your kids get the overflow of your time with Jesus. Wives, your husband and your kids and your friends get the benefit of the overflow of your time with Jesus. Everyone benefits when we spend time with Jesus. Being with Jesus was the necessary preparation for any sermon or work that we will ever do. John 15, 26 says this. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, this is Jesus talking, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. 
hey, friends, you want to bear witness about Jesus? There's a really simple requirement. And we just read it. You want to bear witness about Jesus? There's one thing you got to do. Be with Jesus. See, that's why this church, you know, and in our faith and as Christians, we don't talk about religion. We talk about relationship. And it's not just semantics. It's not, oh, you're just using semantics. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Because, because if I don't spend, hear me, if I don't spend time with Jesus, it is just religion. If I don't spend time with him, then that's all it is, is religion. It's my icon on the wall. It's my checkmark of, of good standing in the eyes of God or community or whatever. Before there's that testimony, before there's that sharing. And, and guys, it is all of us. So I, I, I am so focused right now on being intentional about being with Jesus and raising up disciples. I want to disciple some dudes. I want to disciple some guys. I, I said it before, my dance card is not full. But I, but I only want people that are going to be in it to win it. I only want people that's like, we're going to meet every week at this time, and you only cancel if your fever is 106. If your car breaks down, you walk, or you call me and I pick you up, or we meet halfway. Man, I, I, I want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I tell you what, every person I'm pouring into, or that I will be pouring into, there will be expectation. Dude, we are not doing this because of your sterling sense of humor. We're not doing this because of your wit and your charm and that wonderful cologne you smell. You smell so nice. It's not for any of those reasons. It will be to pour into you so that you can pour into others, so that they can pour into others. And, and you know, I'm going to be really redundant today. I mean, this is, this is all we got, guys. primary means of new disciples of Jesus should be to be around other believers who will demonstrate the character and the plan and the message of Jesus Christ in their life. I, 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 I'm not hearing. I, I refuse to, to be labeled with something that in any way um, connects us to, oh, you guys are being clicky or, oh, you guys are being exclusive or, oh, in doing this, you know, you're you're being limiting. Yes. Yes, I am. Because that's what I saw Jesus do because that was actually his entire plan. He poured into a small group of men. He poured into a... And it, and it just perpetuated. And, and it's not a click. Because Jesus... Jesus said, I, I'm using my twelve. And among those 12, there's three that I'm really pouring into. And he didn't make apologies for it. And we shouldn't do it either. But here's the thing. Like, I shouldn't be discipling you for, I, I mean, I, I don't know the right time frame. Jesus did it for three years. So let me just throw that out there. I shouldn't be discipling you for four years. By that point, you should be moving on to, to really just in the middle of your discipling work. And we should always be discipling people. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says this. Be imitators of me. As I, 
am in Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Be imitators of me as I follow Christ. As long as I am looking like Christ and sounding like Christ and pointing you to Christ and, and raving about Jesus, do the same. Do the same. When Jesus was here, his body, like his literal body, was the body of Christ. Okay? When he was here, his, his body was the body of Christ. When he died and resurrected and ascended, we became the body of Christ. We became that tangible means of touch and fellowship and association and relationship so that we could all be gathered together. We became the body of Christ. When he was here, his body was the body of Christ. He left. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. He's the head. We got to be the body. The body's got to be the body. The, the body's got to be the body. You guys, we, we don't preach a lot about, you know, when Jesus is coming back, and mainly because we just don't know. But I'm telling you what, man, we better be, the, we better be ready for Jesus coming back because I don't know when it is. And you don't know when it is. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear you've got to be ready. Don't let it catch you off guard. Don't let it catch you off guard. Don't let it catch you by surprise. We have got to be ready. So that means the body has to be the body. You guys, the work of discipleship it involves involves personal sacrifice. It, it involves sacrifice of preference. Like, think about the things that, that we and that I, I'm a big fan of boundaries. I'm a big fan of, of guarding. I mean, we've got to have boundaries. When I'm with my bride, if you call me when I'm with my bride, you'll uh, I don't know when I'll check that voicemail, but it won't be when I'm with her. It won't be when I'm on a date with her. That's a boundary. And when I'm, you know, playing with my kids, you know, and you text, I'm not going to text you back right then. I'm, I'm with my kids. But I will say this, guys. There's got to be a sacrifice of personal preference in discipleship because that time that we value so much, we've got to say it's so valuable that I'm going to share it with you. It's so valuable that I'm going to be generous with you. It's so valuable that I want to share valuable things with you. We share valuable things with one another. Hey, I made this incredible meal, my favorite meal. I want to share it with you. We share valuable things with one another. And we got to share our time. We got to share our preferences. Well, I like doing it this way. Well, maybe you got to do it this way. You're still, you're still you know, doing the things you want, but maybe it's this way. It's a personal preference that gets sacrificed. You guys, to have our eyes on Jesus, guess where we cannot have our eyes? On self. It doesn't work that way. We can look through a, we can look through a, a window or a looking glass to Jesus, but we can't look through a mirror and see Jesus. If we look through a mirror, we're only going to see ourselves. And to have our eyes on Jesus, we have to have our eyes on Jesus, and it can't be on self. looking to do 
the will of Jesus and in looking to be the work of Jesus. Jesus says, look around, find others, and let them be with you. Let them be with you. Pour into them. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make time. Relationship. Relationship. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. Friends, if you've got fear of being in relationship, if you've got fear of letting people close, you've got to give that to Jesus. You've got to let Jesus heal you. Because there is no discipleship without letting someone close. Jesus, where are you staying? What did he say? Follow me. Let's go hang out. Come to where I'm staying. I'll show you. We should be hospitable. We should open up our homes. We, we should open up our hearts. You don't have to save the world. Just save the cheerleader. Sorry. There was a TV show called Heroes, Save the Cheerleader, Save the World. But that was great. That was great. It totally, I, I, that's not in my notes, but it was awesome. You save the cheerleader and you save the world. Okay? So you save this one person and they're going to reach so many. Holy Spirit, please come back. Holy Spirit, come back. I thought it was you. It wasn't you. Holy Spirit, that wasn't you. That was me. Um, you, 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 you raise up one disciple. Lord knows if you're just raising up the next Billy Graham. Gosh, I wish I could remember the story. I wish I could remember the details. Did you tell me the story about the Billy Graham? You tell that story, man. I believe it was 1946, around that time, just right after World War II. This guy felt, um, I don't know even remember his name, uh, he felt a calling of God to put on a youth ministry, just a youth uh, event. So you he saved up all his money and he literally spent his life savings and put on a three-day youth event and he, he advertised it he did everything he could and the first night 15 kids showed up and he was expecting like hundreds the next night nine kids showed up and then the night after that it was 10 but on the 10th night i think it was two kids came up to give their life to christ and one of them was billy graham it's a true story yeah. Thank you, Brandon. You never know when that one that you're pouring into is the one who's going to save tens of hundreds of thousands of people. This is what we're called to, guys. This is what we're called to. Let's grab a hold of this. Let's accept this as truth and let's demonstrate it as truth. 